Hi guys, this is Natasha Brown and you have tuned into His Word. His Word is here to bring glory to God's name, one testimony at a time. We are here to encourage, uplift, inspire, evangelize and to fellowship with Christ. So what is a testimony? A testimony is the evidence that God is working in your life. It gives us the assurance that God is real and that he is definitely here. So what are you waiting for? Share your testimony today. Hear his word, speak his word and share his word. His word is God's word. Hi guys, welcome back to another fantastic episode on Testimony Tuesdays. You have tuned into his word and I am Natasha Brown. This episode is called Season 3, Episode 13, Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder. It is also known as FASD. It is so important for us to educate ourselves this year. We are in a new month. There is no excuse as to why we need to continue to be ignorant in this day and age. We have have been exposed to so much information and I believe that this topic that we have been blessed with is not just a testimony. It's a very important message that will allow us to be able to help other people out there who don't know this information. You may have an uncle or an auntie or a niece or a nephew or friends who drink alcohol alcohol whilst they are pregnant or that they drink alcohol and they're having unprotected sex you know these are very important topics that need to be heard that need to be shared God has blessed this podcast with an amazing guest her name is Natalie this is her field this is her ministry and from hearing her testimony I felt like I was able to go away and share this information with other people that's how amazing God has blessed her with the ability to convey important messages so this year I really want to bring more people on the podcast who have testimonies of course but also have very important messages to share and they need a platform or they want to be on a new platform to share that information you know so if you are someone out there who has a cause or who is trying to get information out there and you also have a testimony do not hesitate to reach out this is our time to grow and to allow the world to understand and to see what the Lord has placed in our hearts in our ministries for us to convey to other people if you don't have that platform this platform is not just for me but it's also for you so do not hesitate to reach out so the anchor scripture for this episode is Psalms chapter 63 verse 7 to 8 and it says because you are my help I sing in the shadow of your wings I cling to you your right hand upholds me. How amazing is that? How amazing is it that even when we feel like we are falling, even when we don't feel like we're able to stand any longer, it says that God holds us up. He holds you up. That is what you need to remember this year, that God holds me up. He will be there before you even reach the ground. Hallelujah. How amazing is the God that we serve, that he's our help, that whenever we need him, he is there. You may feel like he's not there, but he's always there. And that is the beauty in having a relationship with God. You have the assurance that he is there with you, even when your situation calls for doubt. But we thank God that he continues to uphold you. We thank God that he continues to work a wonder in your life. Without further ado, please welcome our guest, Natalie. Please let us know what the Lord has done for you. 
So hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Vecchione. First and foremost, I am a daughter of God, and I am saved by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am a mom of two amazing children, and I say children uh, affectionately because our son is 19 and a half, he's almost 20, and a daughter who's six and a half, both of whom have been blessed to us by uh, adoption and uh, God's orchestration in both of our children's journeys. I've been married to my husband for over 26 years. Um, my story is one of overcoming, of um, brokenness, and then of restoration through Jesus Christ. And I'm very honored to share our family's journey, my testimony, how I came to Christ, and um, most importantly, how the Lord turned our mess into a message to point to him that uh, you are not alone on your journey, whatever it may be. Um, my heart is in FASD, which stands for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. My heart of our ministry is in that because our son has a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And um, I knew the Lord was speaking to us to start our podcast, to start our website, to, um, you know, I co-authored a book and just share our journey and how he guided us and carried us through all of it. And most importantly, to let others know that they're not alone out there and that uh, we are here um, to provide awareness, information, and inspiration um, to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. Wow, what a fantastic introduction. Thank you for that. Now, how did you know that your son had FASD? Like, how were we able to identify that? Sure thing. So before that, I guess to um, go a little into my backstory, um, when my husband and I started dating in college, I learned that I had endometriosis. Um, actually, I knew before then, but it was confirmed when I was 21. And I was told um, by the surgeon, and this was way back when, in the, in the early 90s, um, I was told that I would um, very likely not be able to either get pregnant or to carry a pregnancy to term because I was so messed up inside uh, from my endometriosis. And when my husband and I started dating, I told him that he said, well, I don't love you because you can carry my child. I love you because you're you. And if we can't have children biologically, then we'll adopt. And that's when I knew God was, was saying, this is your husband. So my husband and I married shortly after undergraduate school. We both started graduate school um, and uh, we both, you know, we started trying to conceive and um, trying to use fertility treatments and whatnot. And I was actually getting sicker the more we were trying because endometriosis feeds off of hormones. Um, so with each attempt, I lost one ovary. I had more endometriosis. I ended up having like three surgeries during that time. And after our last attempt in, in 1998, my husband said, you know, stop this is ruining your health and you have no quality of life so we prayed and i made the decision to have an, a full abdominal hysterectomy which again is the backstory you know i had the seeds of salvation planted in me um my story how i came to christ though um is coming soon but you know i knew that um god had other plans for me 
Um, after my hysterectomy, um, I basically learned how to adjust with, you know, my new body, not, not having, um, you know, having everything kind of taken out. Um, and my husband and I, about two years later, uh, we started our adoption process and we were on a waiting list with one agency for a very long time, over a year. Um, and then September 11th, 2001 happened. And um, our agency said, you know, our birth mothers are, are making other adoption or other plans, which is good because, you know, if, if a birth mother can, can raise his or her child in, in a healthy and in, you know, a stable environment, then that's what we want. You know, we, we want our families to be intact. And um, so most birth mothers were making the decision to, to raise their children. So the agency we were with said, you know, try to find a second agency, you know, because we're, we're not having placements. So we did find a second agency and believe it or not, um, which this is very rare for, uh, but again, all, all God, I, I point all the glory to God. Um, an agency said, we're actually looking for married couples, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're like, oh, we're married, you know, and, and uh, so we filled the application and it was actually on my husband's birthday of the day which our son was born. We, we did not know because we weren't given his information until two weeks later. Um, and then about two and a half weeks later, we, we got the phone call from the agency saying, um, a birth mother has chosen you. Um, our son was considered a medical uh, needs adoption. He was born um, premature. He was born low birth weight. And all of what we learned when he was born attributed to his being exposed to alcohol during uh during his birth mother's pregnancy during during um him you know being in his birth mother's womb so um when we got the phone call and when the social worker said when he was born which was my husband's birthday i just dropped on my knees and thanked the lord and knew that he was meant to be our son so we picked him up um four days later he was ready to be discharged we knew all of his medical needs but again we wouldn't find out until 15 years later that it was all related to his, his prenatal alcohol exposure. So um, our miraculous family of three, we, we were tiny and mighty. And um, as our son grew older, started to see more specialists and, and you know, we just started seeing more red flags um, that we were just like, okay, well, this isn't, um, you know, this milestone is not happening or, you know, this symptom is happening happening. Um, he was about two and we took him to, um, we took him to a specialist. We were living in Philadelphia at the time and we, uh, had a sleep study and afterwards, um, this children's hospital, um, that we went to, which was not the one we usually went to, the, uh, neurologist came in, it was a teaching hospital and he came in and he, uh, our son was almost two at the time. He was sitting on our lap and, uh, he looked at our son and very flippantly, very, um, you know, abruptly said he had a group of medical students, look at that child. He's been exposed to alcohol and let me, you know, prenatally exposed to alcohol. Let me tell you why. What type of um, symptoms did he have for you to think that he needed to go to a doctor? Absolutely. So first, let me say that fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, it's, it's a spectrum and only about 10% of those who have been exposed to alcohol have any 
facial characteristics or any outward signs. So it is an invisible, it's really considered an invisible disability. So the symptoms, the primary characteristics that were flags for me um, and, and my husband were uh, sleep issues. He had a lot of sleep issues. At What led us to the hospital was he was having night terrors, which at the age of two is very uncommon. We know that maybe like five, four, five, six, seven, early, early elementary ages that happens, but not at, with a two-year-old. The second thing was he was regressing in his development. So his speech started regressing. Um, he was also attachment-wise regressing. He didn't want to leave me. He didn't want to leave my husband where previously he was okay if we left him with the babysitter. So um, in, the, in the like infant and early, um, you know, like toddler age, sleep disorders, sensory issues too. So uh, he was very, um, he was seeking sensations in certain areas and he was avoiding sensations in certain areas. He was also, um, he was a very poor feeder. He, uh, and a lot of children with, with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders have either eating issues, whether um, they be, um, you know, not eating well or not eating certain, uh, not eating certain um, types of foods or not eating, you know, or just not eating, you know, failure to thrive kind of thing. So those are very early symptoms. As a child gets older, um, you see things like um, auditory processing disorders, visual processing disorders, speech delays, um, poor working memory. So maybe you teach a child a concept and one day he's a, he or she's able to remember it, but then the next day they're not. And that's all from the alcohol exposure. Um, so, and I'm going to, um, you know, at the end of our conversation, I'm going to refer you to a couple of great books that your readers can learn more about it. So what the trigger for us when our son was two was the night terrors. That's what the red flag was, was that not only was he not a really great sleeper, but he started having night terrors. So the neurologist said, you know, he's been exposed to, to alcohol prenatally, and let me tell you why. And he's telling this to the medical students. He didn't tell this to my husband and I. And my husband and I were just, you know, in shock. We didn't, you know, know what to do. And this was the first time we had heard a professional say this. So finally, when the, the neurologist was done, we looked at him and we said, you know, we knew he had been exposed to things, you know, and we knew of, uh, certain issues with his pregnancy. But this is the first time, you know, fetal alcohol, you know, exposure has been used. So he said very nonchalantly, oh, just put him in early intervention services and he'll be fine. And we know, and that's one of the things that, you know, through FASD Hope, through our podcast and website and uh, what we do, we want to communicate FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. It's a lifelong disability. You don't outgrow it. Symptoms look different as somebody ages. Sorry, this is very interesting. No, no, absolutely. Um, so can I just ask, so even if you are able to notice these um, symptoms earlier, it doesn't make a difference? It will help with symptoms and it will help with being able to accommodate, which is something that we in the FASD community, we really talk about is you can accommodate. So for example, you know, if your child is not able to remember certain things or maybe only remember one out of three steps or something, you can make accommodations, things like verbal cues, things like visual cues, things like 
um, you know, breaking steps down, things like, okay, you know, acknowledging that this task may be too much for them. But it's really important to know that fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a brain injury. It's a prenatal brain injury. So there are things to help with symptoms, but there are not things to alleviate symptoms. Um, there are studies that, that um, I've interviewed guest um, clinicians. There are studies that show that the supplement choline can actually help with um, you know, newborns who have been suspected of having fetal alcohol exposure and whatnot. But I'm not an expert in that. I'm a parent. So I, again, I can refer you to resources. But as far as is there something that will, you know, alleviate symptoms? No, it's, it's, it's brain injury, you know. So just like with any type of brain injury, traumatic brain injury, cerebral palsy, anything like that, you make accommodations, you provide therapies, you know, and, and certain therapies like speech therapy, occupational therapy, things like that can help. And they did help our son. They helped quite a bit. However, as the child becomes older and, you know, then becomes a teen and then becomes a young adult, then you have new symptoms that appear, you know, because the brain while in utero, while in, in the, you know, while the child was in his or her birth mother's womb, was not able to prune certain, you know, certain cells and certain things during development because he or she was exposed to alcohol. So again, um, yes, early intervention and early diagnosis is key, you know, and we had a suspected diagnosis, but we didn't get a confirmed diagnosis until our son was 15 years old. So, um, you know, one of the big takeaways from our discussion is, is if they're suspected, you know, and not just FASD is not just present in adoption or foster care. FASD, a recent study in the United States, and I know there's studies all over the world, Canada, Australia, the UK, um, but here in the United States, um, I, I live in North Carolina, and actually this researcher, uh, Dr. Philip May, is in North Carolina. He's at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. He did a recent survey, or excuse me, a study in 2018, which was published in the Journal of American Medical Association. One in 20 first graders were, it, it ha, have been exposed to alcohol prenatally. So that's not just that statistic is not just and this was a cross-sectional study so it wasn't just one population one culture one demographic this was across many you know different um populations one in 20 and that's a conservative estimate i know canada it's the conservative estimate is believed to be you know five to seven to ten percent you know if we think about um, prenatal alcohol exposure, you know, if you're a married couple and, and, you know, you're trying to get pregnant and you're, you know, the wife has an occasional glass of wine and then doesn't realize, realizes six weeks later she's pregnant, that's alcohol exposure, you know, um, and even if she stops, there's still implications. There's still, you know, things that happen. So um, how, again, 
prenatal alcohol exposure, FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, is a spectrum. So it looks different in everyone. You know, fetal alcohol syndrome, which is the most impactful, which is what a lot of people think of when they hear fetal alcohol, but that's just one of five diagnoses in the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder umbrella. Um, fetal alcohol syndrome has facial characteristics, has physical characteristics. But again, that's only in about 10% of the population of FASD. 90% of those kids, those teens, those adults that have been exposed to alcohol do not have outward characteristics. It is invisible. It's brain-based, whole-body um, diagnosis. And um, with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, um, there are over 400 medical conditions that can happen with having an FASD. And our son had quite a few of them. Again, we didn't know until he was 15 and received the official diagnosis that all of those physical symptoms, those diagnoses were connected to his prenatal alcohol exposure. Okay, um, this may seem like a weird question, and I apologize if it is a weird question, um, but no, not at all. why did it take so long to diagnose him? He was suspected at a young age, right? So why yeah. did it take so long for that to happen? So that's a really good question, and um, a lot of people, there's, there's a few answers to that. First of all, um, here in the U.S., and I'm not sure about the U.K., um, I know Canada has more diagnostic clinics. There are other countries that are, that are um, improving, but there are very few clinics that will diagnose an FASD, um, and there are waiting lists for those. You know, one of the things that we do through FASD Hope on our website, we provide, we try to update as much as possible clinics here in the States and abroad that will, or places that you can go to to seek an FASD diagnosis if you suspect it. But, and I'm talking, so our son is 19 and a half, he'll be 20 next year. So we're talking, you know, 17 years ago, FASD was barely a conversation. You know, people thought, oh, it's just fetal alcohol syndrome and that doesn't happen that often. No, it happens very often. So the first thing is um, lack of diagnostic practitioners, clinics, they're out there and they're wonderful, but you know, they're not nearly enough to, to diagnose. So that's probably the first thing is there needs to be more trained physicians, pediatricians, people who can diagnose and say, yes, I suspect this might be a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So that's the first thing. Second thing is stigma. And that's huge. Um, I was blessed to interview um, Dr. Kenneth Lyons-Jones, our, our episode will air in January, who is considered to be the father of FASD. He and another doctor in 1973 coined the term fetal alcohol syndrome and that coined that alcohol is harmful to an unborn child. And he said one of the biggest takeaways from my discussion with him was stigma. People do not want to place fetal alcohol exposure um, that stigma to a child because um, people don't like to talk about it, to be honest with you. And, and, and doctors and practitioners, they don't want to give that child that label, even though the fetal, the diagnosis of having an FASD is it's brain damage prenatally, and it is a 
developmental disability that affects people in different ways, just like autism. Um, but the stigma, the stigma comes from the fact that the birth mother, whether knowingly or unknowingly, the majority of the time is unknowingly drank during her pregnancy. There's a stigma in that. And um, that's a huge, huge barrier to getting a diagnosis is, is people don't want the stigma of giving a child or a teen or an adult that because they know um, they, they know that there's going to be shame involved in there, you know, oh, the birth mother drank, there's shame. One of the things that we try to do with FASD Hope is say, okay, there should not be stigma and there should not be shame, you know? <laughs> we're all, we're all sinners. We all, uh, you know, we, yeah. Jesus came to save us. We're all sinners. We need to say, you know what, this happened. How can we support that? I mean, and, and I shared with you, Natasha, that um, in Judges, the angel of the Lord told Manoah's wife, Samson's mother, three times not to drink wine because she was going to conceive and conceive Samson. And, you know, even it, it, it's in the Bible, in the Old Testament, do not drink either during conception or before conception. Yet as a society, we've come so far away from it, you know? Our society, you know, and I know this is across the UK because I have colleagues in a wonderful FASD podcast called Spotlight on FASD. It's in the UK. Highly recommended if you're in the UK and want to learn more about FASD. Um, first of all, when a child gets that diagnosis, there's stigma. And secondly, um, and this is kind of a prevention issue, um, our society is so based on alcohol all over the world, you know. Um, if you don't drink, there's something wrong with you, you know, if you don't drink, if you say, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'll have something non-alcoholic, then people are like, well, why, you know, versus, you know, normalizing, uh, you know, an alcohol-free lifestyle. Um, again, more than half of the pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. And we know that, especially since COVID, um, drinking amongst women of childbearing age has has skyrocketed you know it was high before covid and it's even higher since covid so you have that combination of unplanned pregnancy and and drinking and you have a public health crisis globally not just here in the states but globally so i think the lack of practitioners there needs to be more the ones who are out there are fantastic but there's not enough and then um, definitely the stigma. And I think that was part of why the practitioner did not write down that diagnosis was that he did not want that stigma, which, but he was doing more harm than good because once we learned that our son had an FASD 15 years later, and we, during that time, we would ask any specialist our son saw, any educational you know, professional, any tutor, any, any teacher, we were told when, when our son was two that he may have been exposed to alcohol, everybody would dismiss us again because of the stigma that's associated with FASD. So it's just very much unfortunate that it's like they would prefer to protect the mother or protect the use of alcohol rather than protecting the child. Because I feel exactly. like if only this was diagnosed at an early age, you would have known how to handle it, you know? Exactly. So, 
I, I just feel very much disheartened that you had to experience that because I feel like as a doctor, as a practitioner, that that is your field and you owe us a duty mm-hmm. of care to ensure that we are receiving the type of care that we need for our yes. Yes. benefit. But that was, you know what, that was part of the journey that the Lord had for us, yeah. you know, and it broke us. So fast forward, um, we, our son started showing more symptoms. Again, we identify in, in our book, but our son started presenting with more symptoms as he got older. Um, and around the time of, um, he was about 11, we took him out, we pulled him out of school because he was just slipping through the cracks, not getting, you know, the education everybody kept focusing on and, you know, his deficits and his needs rather than what he could do. So my husband and I chose to homeschool him back in 2014. So uh, seven and a half years ago, he's, he's since graduated, but seven and a half years ago. And I'm very thankful we chose to homeschool him because we were through homeschooling, even though I had to, you know, kind of step back and, and stop my career. Um, I was able to focus on the strengths and support his needs, meet him where he was at. And that's a huge huge concept in the FASD community that we embrace is that, you know, if somebody has um, any type of diagnosis or any type of disability, how we need to see them the way the Lord sees them. You know, I embrace, I embrace, and I have such a heart for anyone that has any type of diagnosis because it means that the Lord, you know, they're going through this journey and I want them to know that they are not alone. The Lord is carrying them through, that Jesus has gone through what you're going through and is walking alongside you, bringing you through the darkness. And um, things came to a head. So fast forward, we also adopted another, this is another God orchestrated um, uh God orchestrated a beautiful journey, but we also adopted our daughter whose birth mother was actually our son's babysitter when we were living in Philadelphia. She did not drink. Our daughter does not have an FASD. Um, and we have a much different journey. Our son, we have a closed adoption. Our son's birth mother stopped writing to us when, when he was three years old. We don't know anything about his birth father. With our daughter, um, I consider her birth mother almost like, you know, almost kind of like my, my daughter. Like she's, I love her so much and we have such an amazing relationship and we have a very um, different relationship with my daughter's birth parents. You know, we were there when our daughter was born. Um, so we have two children, 13 years apart with two very different adoption stories. But again, I'm pointing this all to, to the Lord. We're all adopted we're all adopted children of God. Jesus saved us. We're all adopted. So there's this mindset, I think, when, when, you're, when you haven't come to Christ that I could never be good enough for anything, you know? And um, my friend who's an author, Sandra Flack, she's a podcaster and an adoptive mom, she calls it the orphan mindset, that we need to know that we are, through Jesus, we are sons and daughters of, of, of the King and that we are all adopted through him. So anyways, when our son was uh, about 13, 14, we started seeing more serious um, symptoms, things like 
he was self-harming. Um, he was having um, a lot of um, mental health symptoms. He was just really struggling and he had to be hospitalized when he was 15. And um, that really broke me. That was my lowest point was when he was in the hospital and they were getting him stable. And he, he lets me share this because he doesn't want other kids. And I say kids, you know, teens, young adults. He doesn't want them to know that they're alone and that he's been through it and he's on the other side. He's still going through it, you know. Um, but I remember, and I gave you the verse, Psalm 63, I remember just being broken on the floor crying. Our daughter was too, you know, my, my husband would be with our daughter and my husband and I, you know, um, would just at night just cry. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And I really, at that darkest, most broken point in my life, I never felt Christ more than at that time. I felt like, I, I cling to that song, psalm because, you know, a verse in that psalm is, therefore, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I knew that I was on, in the shadow of the Lord's wings. Um, I came to Christ long before that. You know, I became saved before that. But that's when I felt the closest. That, that's when I felt that the Lord was saying, I want you to take your brokenness now. And I want you to just stay in my word and and just i'm going to carry you through this and that was you know over four years ago i would have never realized then that i would be leading this ministry with my husband and reaching out to other couples and writing a book and having a podcast and sharing our testimony um never i didn't even know how i would go on the next day but that's when I had to be broken so that Jesus could fill me with his life. And that's when I became more, you know, I just dove into his word and just, just learn more. And, and that hospitalization was such a blessing because that's when our son officially received the diagnosis of having a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. The, the chief of psychiatry who was working with, our son's outpatient psychiatrist, they, they consulted and, and she said, you know, would you please do um, an evaluation? And they did. And sure enough, he had it. So he left the, the hospital, not only us knowing how to treat his co-occurring mental health disorder, which 93% of individuals that have an FASD have a co-occurring mental health diagnosis, um, but he received that FASD diagnosis. Once we hit that, we hit the ground running. We did training. We learned more. I, you know, just participated in, in different trainings and workshops and things like that. And then when COVID happened, um, you know, I think the Lord put in, I actually, I know the Lord put in my husband's and my heart to start FASD Hope so that we could give other families hope, you know, whether you adopted, whether you're foster care, biological, any, we, we want you to have hope that in this diagnosis, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. However, you can see your child or loved one the way the Lord sees them. And, and that is 
as they're, they're wondrously, they're beautifully and they're wondrously made. I've learned so much. You are absolutely amazing. You are a blessing to your family and to your ministry. And for a person here in England who hasn't heard about the, the FASD before, I've learned a lot and I feel like I can now go away and tell more people about it and they can tell more people about it. You have been very much informative. How do you break this stigma concerning FASD? couple of things. First of all, we need to share our stories. You and I both know as podcasters, that when we share our stories, that we are giving people the courage and the power to share their stories, which is why I share my story. And my story, I'm sharing with you my most broken story. I have so many other story, stories that I say, God, can I share this one? No, this is the story I was meant to share. So share your story, have courage, even if you just tell one person, that like you said, that could be one person whose life would be changed by hearing your story. So that can help break the stigma. The second thing, and I think the most important thing to know is that in prenatal alcohol exposure, no mother intends on, you know, intends on hurting their unborn child. No mother says, I'm just gonna drink and, you know, no, I mean, this is an invisible disability. The, the fact that there's so many unplanned pregnancies and that alcohol is so widely consumed, that is, you know, that contributes to the stigma. So we need to be better educated about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. There are links and websites I can give you. Um, in the UK, there's FASD UK. Um, like I said, Spotlight on FASD is a wonderful podcast based in the UK by dear friends of mine, Jessica Rutherford and Claire Devani Glynn. Um, I, I highly recommend that podcast, especially if you're in the UK. Um, you know, you can listen to our podcast, FASD Hope. I would also um, just say to learn as much as you can about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, because what you think you may be seeing, especially as the child gets older, what we think are behaviors, you know, and I say bad behaviors, and I'm using air quotes, are actually symptoms of the alcohol exposure on the brain. And we know in the alcohol community, and this should be communicated, that alcohol is the most harmful substance that can be exposed to an unborn child when it comes to people think it's you know illicit drugs such as crack meth cocaine and everything those are very harmful don't get me wrong however alcohol has the most impact it crosses the limbic system in the brain it affects every system in the body and and it's a lifelong disability Thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on to the His Word podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I really do feel like I'm equipped to go out there and really let people know more about FASD. I will be um, sharing some resources on my Instagram page, everyone who's listening. So please go out there and, and look out for all of that. It will include the book that Natalie wrote and other important resources that you were able to use to further educate yourself on FASD and guys do not forget to follow Natalie on her Instagram page FASD Hope is another fantastic podcast that shares more information it has doctors and guests who are in that field who can you know share more information on that so if you guys are interested in receiving that information do not hesitate to go onto my Instagram page 
and to really connect and to network um, with this group of amazing individuals. We thank God that he continues to work wonders in our lives. And I just want to say as well that if you do have a testimony, do not hesitate to reach out. We are an international platform and we are here to glorify God's name internationally. So if you do have a testimony, do not keep it to yourself. If your friends and family have shared something amazing, you let us know and we're able to use this platform to glorify God's name and to bring many people to Christ. The Bible tells us in Revelations chapter 12 verse 11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony do you know how powerful that is the living word lets us know that we have a duty to overcome to overcome every obstacle of the enemy everything that he has programmed to have dominion over your life everything that he has programmed to work against you every obstacle it fails because of your testimony it fails because you were able to overcome it fails because you took that step to glorify God name to be obedient to really acknowledge him so if you are sitting on a testimony sit no longer change the narrative on your life and give God all the glory you don't know who you're able to impact you don't know who you're able to save just by sharing what he has done for you so guys it's been a pleasure it's Natasha Brown and you have listened to his word